Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Laland. Lawson. Lawson. <laughs> what are you thankful for this morning? I remember yesterday. Yes. When I was, I was thinking about what I was thinking for and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have lunch with people. Yes. Well, I ended up having lunch with those people. Yes. And I, oh, guys, guys, check so this out. So you were thankful yesterday that you were going to have lunch with people. Now you're thankful that you did. And this is why I'm thankful because, so we ended up having lunch with them and it was um, myself and Hannah, who I work with, who's been on the show before. And then these um, two girls that we know in the community and through church and we invited over them over to lunch and we're, you know, eating lunch. Um, but Hannah couldn't be there because she, she was busy with something. So, so she now was like, I know why you were thankful check- to have lunch yesterday because you got to have, th- have, have lunch with three girls. But more than that, just listen. Just listen. <laughs> so Hannah couldn't be there. So she called me and she's like, oh, Lawson, can you go to my place and cook for us? And I was like, okay. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, we've got these Chinese girls coming. I'll make some like fried rice and some dumpling soup and a few other things. Yes. And I'm like, oh, but this is pretty high pressure so you're, because yeah, you're they're making, Chinese. You're making Chinese food for Chinese for people. For Chinese people. Anyways, we sit down and we eat and they're like, wow, this looks really good. And I'm like, oh, they're just being polite. And they start eating and they're like, Lawson, this is perfect. And they start asking me questions like, how did you do this tofu? It's so good. Oh, how, what did you put in this soup? It's so not, oh, these just, and so you're more Chinese than the Chinese. Well, I'm not more Chinese than the Chinese, <laughs> but I am the gap. I am like the bridge between Australia and China. <laughs> Basically, I've honed my skills from being at a church full of Asian people over the last two years, and now I'm just like the ultimate Chinese chef. <laughs> and I, you know, I really enjoyed the compliments too because they were just loving it. They're like, "This is amazing." So you do know that now, having you know spoken about this. On air that you now owes us a Chinese. Yeah, meal. oh, like, dude, I'll make anyone I, food. Give us cool. Yeah. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so before we get into Lawson's cooking show, let's have some positively different news. <laughs> positively different news. Okay. Oh, I. This is, this is an interesting one. I, I wanted to talk about this because I, I thought it was... I, I wanted to have a conversation about, you know, space exploration and things to go on. So, essentially, NASA's next moon mission. So, yes. they haven't been to the moon since, like, 1972. That's right. And their next moon mission has been pushed back to 2025. Oh, bummer. Which is a bummer. Yes. And, you know, there are a lot of people that would see this and say, and that's because... We never went to the moon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. But this I is... I shouldn't laugh so hard. There are people who take that very seriously. Yeah, there, there are. And it's like... And I have some very serious uh, conversations with people and some very serious reasons why I believe they did go to the moon. Mm. And me too. I, I believe that they went to the moon. And mm. I, I don't want to spend lots of time on this. I just thought it was interesting because this is the number one reason. This is the reason cited... And this is like the reason why we haven't been back to the moon since, because a lot of people who are skeptical of that, they're like, oh, we didn't go back to the moon because we never went to the moon. And why Mm -hmm. did they just decommission all the stuff? So here's my reasoning as to why we did go to the moon. It's because all of the discoveries that were made when we went, when we went to the moon were anti-evolutionary. Yes. Now, if we had faked the moon landings, all of the discoveries would be pro-evolution. Because those who sent the rocket up there. Yeah, they were all Mm pro-evolution. 
but all the discoveries were anti-evolution and a challenge to evolutionists. Therefore, I say we went there. Mm. But this is the biggest reason why we went to the moon in 1972 and we never went back since, is that at that time, NASA received 4% of the total, you know, uh, total budget GDP of the United States, which is... A massive amount of money, (laughs) even in 1972. Um, (sighs) And the reason we haven't been back since, and the reason we're getting close to going back since, is because now there are private companies who are interested in space exploration, a.k.a. SpaceX and Jeff Bezos and Virgin Galactic and all these people who are actually doing something because they have money. Yeah, so back then it was spend 4% of your GDP so that you force Russia to spend 8% of theirs and send Russia broke. That's right. That was essentially what it was. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this time around, it's completely different. Yeah. There's no, there's no, like, there's no um, ec- economic or, or political pressure to go to the moon. And that's why we haven't been to the moon since. So I, I, I was like looking at that. I thought it was interesting. And I thought I'd share it with you. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting when you look at some of these massive companies. It's like if you've got that kind of money, what are you actually going to spend it on? Mm. You know, are you going to spend it on making the world a better place and solving hunger and, you know, solving medical problems around the world and that kind of thing? Well, mm. we know that wealthy people don't generally spend the majority of their money on that and they're actually, they've got money and they so much money they just don't know what to do with it. Mm. And this is private money now. You know, back then it was government money. Mm. This is now private money. Kind of says some interesting things about, you know, capitalism and so forth and yeah where it has ended up well then it like you kind of go into the next step of like is it even like are we even supposed to go to the moon like what's the point at this point well, hey this is what i see about going to the moon uh-huh. it tells us more about god every time Ooh. we go to the moon it tells us more about god really so that's why i'm in favor of it because whenever you study nature you learn more about god mm-hmm. but you know it does remind me of that passage in the bible where it talks about you know just before the second coming it says you know Go now, you rich men, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. You have heaped together treasure for the last days, Mm -hmm. and now it's come to nothing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you you, you kind of wonder where your Jeff Bezos is going to be uh, in a few years' time when suddenly their money is completely worthless and they have none. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I can survive quite fine without money because we've done it for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) We're well practiced That's my life. (laughs) Yes, I think, Lawson, you'll survive better than the rest of us. yeah bro (laughs) oh that's legendary yeah oh this is it's cool it's cool but you know what else is happening so we're going really far into space the other place that we're going is really far into the earth specifically in antarctica where they are they are venturing to drill the deepest hole that they've ever drilled in antarctica they they want their now i wonder whether they do this in antarctica because it's colder and your drill bits can get deeper or whether the temperature of the core is the same all the way around. I don't know. Well, the temperature of the core would be same. It's just the... Yeah, but does that expand in an even way out to the surface, or does that cold, cold, cold down in Antarctica actually penetrate, you know, like more than a 1,000 feet or something? Well, the place where they're drilling is one of the highest points in Antarctica. Okay. And it's like right in the middle of... On top of a mountain. Right towards the middle of the continent. you think if they were going to drill a hole that they would drill it... Somewhere like the Dead but Sea. But this is the point. They're already halfway this is, there. This is the interesting point. And as we've just said before, we're talking about the moon and we're talking about nature. And when we study it, it shows us more about God. Yes. They want to go to one of the tallest points so that they can drill down and they can see, you know, 
via the geological record there and observing the snow and the layers and all those different things, they want to observe what's taken place, you know, over the ice ages and over, but they're like putting all these dates out to hundreds and thousands of years. But I think this is a story that we should be watching because I feel like some of the conclusions that they're going to come to is not within those time periods. No, well, the, the, the evidence will, the, you know, the evidence is always the evidence. This is yeah, what I love about that's it. that's right. It will be interesting to see how the evidence is interpreted and when they get evidence that goes against their standard interpretation, how they then have to reinterpret the evidence. That's right. This is the whole story of evolutionary science. It's all about reinterpreting the evidence. Like, oh, we weren't expecting that. Every time they go somewhere new, it's like, oh, we weren't expecting that. Mm. You know, that's what this, and, and this, I mean, that's the great thing about science. Science shows you things that you're not expecting. And the reason that you find things that you're not expecting is because God is a God of the unexpected. <laughs> yeah. And when you make up like theories that, that are based on the principle of uniformitarianism and that contradict what we know about what God said, well, then you're always going to run into barriers and hurdles. You're always going to run into problems. But so, uh, this is going to be cool. There's both of these, oh, both of these trips so are going to be very cool. cool. Dude, three, if they have a three-kilometer-long drill, bro. That's like... How does the end not twist off? What happens if the end does twist off? <laughs> the rip, like, oh, oh well. <laughs> and then they just leave. Start again. <laughs> Somewhere else. Just like, just like move over, you know. The, the technology behind meters. that just absolutely does my head in that you can have a drill that's that long mm-hmm. because I've got drills in my you know drill box that are what a hundred millimeters long mm-hmm. and I regularly break those things. Yeah, you know when they get broken off down inside a hole somewhere, it's like oh, yeah, it's... throw that away, start again. <laughs> get something get a devastating, new piece. devastating. Yeah, so this is these are going to be stories to watch. We're going to see people go to the moon. We're going to see people go deep, and we're going to see what they learn about. Nature, and then we're going to see what they learn about God. So yeah, powerful fantastic. stuff. Hey, if you have any says on that, if you have any thoughts, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text. Let us know. What do you think about all this exploration going on? You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Raphael has texted through to say that NASA space missions being taken over by private companies to take control and make money on space exploration. Totally. Away from the government or the people. Greediness has no bounds. Whoever controls the money controls the world. This is this is pretty true. It's interesting stuff. <laughs> anyway, talking about global control, I've got this story coming out of Canada, which is just truly bizarre. Okay, uh, you said it's this is most- the most bizarre story ever. I am intrigued. Okay, so you've got this Canadian pastor. Um, okay. who is now mm-hmm. allowed to criticise the government. So he's, he just got a court order in the Canadian Court of Appeals that allows him to criticise the government. That's pretty cool. This is Canada, not North Korea we're talking about. Oh. oh. So previously he was not allowed to criticise the government. In oh. fact, in fact, oh. so this is the, this is a pastor, and he's been he's been speaking on the uh, he's been speaking on the subject of lockdowns and vaccinations. I forgot Canada wasn't North Korea, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Canada. You know that country, like which is uh, America's New Zealand to us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so we've got a pastor there who's now allowed. He's now allowed to criticize the government. Wow. Um, so he had been putting out viral YouTube videos, which criticised lockdowns and vaccines. I mean, who's not doing that these days? There's, like, so many of those going around yeah. that you just get sick of them, seeing them pop up on your social media from <laughs> totally. time to time. Um, but anyway, um, nothing out of the ordinary there. So a lower court had made an order requiring him 
only re- only to repeat the government preferred narrative. Yikes! This is Canada. This is not North Korea. <laughs> this is Canada, right? Um, his name is Arthur Palowski. Um, he pastors uh, Street Church and the Cave of Adullam. Mm. So I'm not sure what those churches are, but they kind of have a ring of being COVID lockdown churches. Mm. You know, Street Church is like, mm, okay, that sounds interesting. That sounds like the kind of church you would have on the street somewhere during lockdown. Okay, Cave of Adullam, of course, that was where David and his and his followers hid from mm. the government. <laughs> so I'm kind of thinking, okay, this guy's a bit, you know, he's he's, he's pretty he's, on the nose. He's out there. He's out there. <laughs> Okay, so he's, uh, he's well known for these uh, videos that he makes and puts them onto YouTube and so forth. He's well known for uh, having been arrested, for having illegal churches. Um, I think he's been fined like $23,000. Um, and, uh, and this is the really weird thing. The, the ruling of the court required him to utter the government-approved talking points regarding COVID or vaccines. Now, here's, the, here's where it gets really strange. They're like, no, we're not taking away your freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want, provided that you finish it by saying these words. <laughs> and then they gave all of these words. And I'm just sort of thinking to myself because, you know, you naturally put yourself into this particular guy's shoes, you know, and it's like, okay, if this was me and I was doing this, how would, how would I actually handle this? Oh, dude, I got the ultimate method. I've got the ultimate... is just criticize everything that you're supposed to be, like, t- saying the talking points. And then at the very end of a video or whatever, then you just, like... D- you just, like, literally sit there with a script that piece says, of piece, like... You pick up a piece of paper. That says from the Canadian government on the back that yes. the people can see. And then you just read it off and then say it. No, you'd have from, from the North Korean government slashed out Canadian <laughs> government. Canadian government. <laughs> On the back. And then you would just read it off in the single most like monotone voice forever for like and 30 seconds. And it would be seconds. so painfully obvious. And it would be hilarious. That and it would, would make content. the government look 10 times worse than what the government looked beforehand. <laughs> Did I mean, what this? was this judge on? You could have so much fun with that. Yeah. If you were, Dude, if you were like one content. of these. If you, that is content, bro. It's like the best card. I'm like, this is it. He's been just handed a gold mine for making his movies, his YouTubes go more viral than they've ever been gone before. <laughs> for making fun of the government too. And, and you could make, you could, you could, I think I like your take. I was just going to say you could, you could proceed it by some really sarcastic remarks. Mm. And then you follow, this is what the government requires me to say, so now I will say it. Yeah. It's just, this is why I say it's just bizarre. (laughs) What were they trying to accomplish? And this is the thing that you find whenever people try and accomplish forced speech, Mm. it just makes them look like idiots. Yeah. And you find the same thing in China and North Korea. Um, You find the same thing in, you know, uh, Eastern Europe and the Soviet Eastern Europe when people are forced to say things it immediately raised all kinds of question marks in their mind. They're like, you know, when you start to force people to say things, it's like, what is going on here? There, um, there is clearly something being hidden and covered up if you're being forced to say something. And it only ever works in terms of controlling your own citizens um, if you're willing to back that force up with just literally killing people, you know. That's right. That's absolutely right. And if you're not, if you don't have the will to do that, then you just look terrible, and this is why yeah. in you know in the uh, in the socialist um, 
governments mm. over the last hundred years, they have literally killed over a hundred million people. And they've just genocided their own people. Their own people. Massacred. Their own people. This is the unique thing about socialism it is, is that it leads to the genocide of your own people. Mm. You know, the flip side of the coin, which, you know, fascism, which we don't want either, that's killing other people. Yeah. Socialism goes after, the, you know, it, it's, a, it's a wild. It's a wild world in which we live. And I just don't understand what the judge was thinking. But anyway, um, it was reversed by the Alb. Alberta Court of Appeal, mm. um, who expedited the hearing. <laughs> no surprise why. They're like, some idiot. <laughs> has made us look bad. Has made us look terrible. Let's get this thing through and reversed as quickly as uh, possible. It was actually issued by the uh, Queen's Bench uh, Justice Adam Germain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's just... Basically, forced the guy to be a liar. So you have a court order that forces somebody to be a liar. Mm. Now, I'm, you all know me, right? I'm all about freedom of conscience here. Mm. If you want to have vaccines, have vaccines. If you don't, you don't. Mm. I'm not against lockdowns. Lockdowns are biblical. Yep. Okay. Um, there's a time and a place for them. Where that time and place is, then that's a discussion that we could have. But, yes. you know, I'm not against the concept. I'm not against the concept of vaccines. Vaccines have been around for a long time. I'm mm. not, yeah, but I am in favour of freedom of choice and I am strongly against these precedences that are being set. And the thing that, the thing that disturbs me the most about this particular story is that it is now possible that a judge could try this. Mm. You know, you go back 10 years... And there's no way in a million years would a judge in a Western democracy think that they could actually pull this off. Yeah, to say you can't criticise the government in yes. a public forum. Yeah. Yes, you, 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 you wouldn't even think that. Go back 30 years and people would laugh you to scorn that something would like that would take place. Mm. But notice how our society has moved. Notice how it has shifted and wow. changed. And then, okay, this got turned down because it was silly. But what is the trajectory? That is my question. Mm. Because we are seeing this trajectory and it is beginning to J-curve and it's beginning to J-curve in the direction of the fulfilment of Revelation 13. Mm. You know, we've been preaching Revelation 13 for a lot of years right now and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, how's that ever going to happen? That's never going to take place. Mm. You guys are a bunch of conspiracy theorists, whatever it might be. Yeah, well. Well, now it's happening. Yeah, exactly. Now you can see it happening in Western Democracies. All that being said, um, all hail Justin Trudeau and. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Oh, sorry. That was just my my government piece of paper. (laughs) Oh, okay. You were reading. Yeah, yeah. My script. That was my government script. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So he's still facing his $23,000 fine um, and his 120 hours of community service that he needs to get done uh, before he's in the clear again. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to Summerbrook and Mountainfield with I'm on the Battlefield. That was a great song right there. enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, have a 300-point quiz question. That's right. For 300 points, what kind of bread were the Israelites supposed to eat in their Passover celebration? 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And for 300 points, you can win a pocket sermon from Amazing Facts. But you can also just 
answer the question and sweep through the quiz, which you could potentially do. But I don't think you will. Because oh, you reckon no one's going to get no, that? No one's getting they, the, the show back today because they don't know the answers. They're not. They're not smart enough. Zero four nine one zero six four has been six six nine is the number to call again. That question was: What kind of bread were the Israelites supposed to eat in their Passover celebration? Okay, so joining us on the phone right now for our midweek update on emotional health is David Help. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen, and good morning to your listeners. Now, David, I understand that we're going to be talking today uh, about an article that recently appeared looking at the issue of rest and sleep, um, pointing out that, well, you know, a lot of us get enough sleep, but do we get enough rest and that tiredness is on the increase? Is this something that you are finding? I mean, you're obviously you're dealing with people every day. You're counselling people every day. This is, this is what you do on a daily basis. Is tiredness something that is on the increase? Well, very good question. Dr. Sandra uh, Dalton-Smith had done some research. She's a physician, but also a researcher, and, and discovered that, especially nowadays, we find that people are exhausted, not just tired. They're exhausted. They, they are close to what we would call burnout. Now, burnout is not necessarily a medical term, but it is more an, uh, an something that we feel that we just can't continue. So we've had a very good night's rest. We've slept our eight hours, and it's been a sound sleep, but we wake up exhausted the following day, really unable to properly function. Our brain just feels foggy, and uh, we we just don't we don't have that ability to to uh, think past that cap that actually covers our uh, our brain. Mm. And I think that so, when you when you say that right now, there's probably a lot of people who are going, yeah, I can actually relate to that. You know, I had I had my eight hours sleep last night, but I'm still just very, very foggy and and tired. So Dr. Smith uh, actually asked this question, what's really wrong? You know, we, we make sure there's so much research and help out there for us to have a proper sleep. Why is that not fixing us? And she suggests that most probably, and she categorizes seven ways of really getting proper rest in. She says that while physical sleep rest is one of them, we actually might be missing out on six of the other seven, uh, of, of that seven. And in other words, it is vital for us to really look at that other six and ask the question, is it maybe time that we actually become intentional about taking rest in those other six areas? She talks about, and, and, and this is sort of, this, this is the first thing that jumped out to me when she talks about sacred rest. You know, she, she, yes. she, she uses that language and, and, and immediately my mind goes to what the Bible says about, you know, the Sabbath and so forth. But anyway, let's talk about these seven different uh, uh, kinds of rest. So the, the one is uh, the physical rest, the sleep that we get at night when we go to bed. But then she says that there's also the mental rest. In other words, focusing on too many things at the same time during our day. Uh, we are uh, today during COVID era working often from home. 
but bombarded with so much responsibilities, trying to juggle uh, so many things combined. I actually felt yesterday that maybe this talk this morning is just for me because um, this coming weekend I've got so many responsibilities and I haven't had a break for, for two weeks. Not a single day that I just could step aside and say, that's it, I'm just going to put my feet up. So you, it, it becomes a personal thing of that mental rest that we need. In other words, to disconnect from the busyness of life and just focus on some of the mundane things in life. Mm. That is uh, what she calls mental rest. The second one is sensory rest. Um, Lyle, from the moment that we wake up in the morning till the, at night when we go to sleep, we are bombarded with technology. We're bombarded with uh, information. We have a computer in our hand or in our pocket. We've got a computer uh, in our uh, computer bag or on our desk. We've got a TV screen. And wherever we go, we are in actual fact bombarded with technology that feeds information to us. Yes. That, that eventually exhausts us. One of the newest addictions is techno addiction. We've spoken about that a lot for, for young people. But are we as adults really immune and free from that? Um, in my little church that I pastor, uh, we actually have decided on one day a week where we will fast. For some of us, fasting might include fasting from media. In other words, disconnecting from media in order to focus on the more important things in life. That's our connection with God. It's a really interesting thing. You know, one of the things I love about being able to go away and go camping is that you will go away into an area where you've got no service and it forces you to disconnect. And there's a certain level of anxiety that you sort of had that, you know, that, that inclination to pull your phone out of your pocket every now and then. And then you remind yourself like, oh, no, that won't actually work because it doesn't work here. Um, and, and, and so... And, and and what I find interesting is once you've gone camping for a couple of days, that of course dissipates, and then you just start like, oh, this is so wonderful. There is no technology. Yeah. This is the best, and the whole purpose of camping really starts to kick in. Exactly. In in my home, we have made a decision. We've chucked out the TV. We do have a TV, but that is only switched on. We connect with a phone to try and maybe get the news uh, every now and then, or to watch a nature video when, when my uh, grandkids are around. Other than that, there's no TV that blares. But uh, in some homes, there's the constant uh, bombardment of that noise as well as information. And we, re- we really need a fasting process from, from that. And it's amazing if families to do the experiment have a TV fast, for instance, or a technology fast for a month and see what happens in the home. Mm, yeah, that would be absolutely um, – I'd encourage all of our listeners out there to give that one a go. I think it would be challenging initially, but then I think that kids would actually really respond to it and appreciate it and enjoy it. Kids will start playing around. Kids will become creative again. Yes. And that is, I believe, what God intended them to be, and uh, which today is actually driving some of the mental health issues that we find in our families. The third one, by the way, is creative rest. Now, Lyle, 
all of us are constantly dealing with problems. As a clinician, I am dealing with people's problems on a regular basis, and I've got to be creative, uh, reading between the lines, listening between the lines, and helping them to discover ways of resolving those issues. Some of us are in the workplace constantly having to solve problems, and eventually your brain is becomes so taxed that by the end of the day, end of the week, you are so exhausted that you just want to run away. Well, I need to confess, there are times that I just do not want to see another person with a problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just want to break from that because it has completely exhausted me uh, in trying to assist in hearing people, even hearing what they're not saying, what they're leaving out sometimes is so important. And Dr. Smith uh, reckons that we need rest from that. And she says that uh, we need, therefore, creative rest, an ability to, to look at things, maybe hobbies. I take photography or working in the garden, just being creative or building bee boxes and working with my bees are all ways in which I actually create rest for myself in that space. So you create rest by not resting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's not a it's not not being passive, but you are creative. You uh, God created us to be creative beings and that is healing towards us. But then comes emotional rest. Um, we so often hold on to emotions either to place uh, others or simply because you feel unable to express yourself or to work through some of those emotions that people have, have dumped on you or what people have caused you to battle with. And um, being able to connect with people that actually will support you. In other words, to talk through some of those things is so crucial. And this is where the fasting of media is becomes important in the family home where family can sit around the uh, dining room table, no TV, no uh, phones, and they can actually listen to each other and hear how each other's day has been. How rare is that today? Yeah, incredibly rare. It's um, something that just you, you, you just sort of don't see it anymore. And, you know, in some ways, David, is a question that I, when I see this one about emotional rest and, you know, with all of the the work that you do when you're talking to other people and they're unloading their burdens and their emotions upon you, how do you go about, I mean, that's going to have to build up as the day goes by each day. What specific strategies do you have to be able to find emotional rest? That is where I, uh, in my connection with God, but also my physical work, I do uh, physical gardening. I go into my garage and I start to build uh, honeybee boxes and uh, I split my hives and then there's some creativity in there. Um, I haven't for quite a while done photography, but sometimes I would just grab the camera and disappear in nature and try to capture a picture of mundane things, but in a way that completely uh, looks different. And I just lose myself. Um, and my wife hates going with me when I've got the camera because three hours would be uh, would be nothing for me just to focus on a little flower. And 
uh, it's the creative part and all of that stress just dissipates. Mm. Mm. And I think we need to be able to recognize this in the people that we're close to. Uh, we need to recognize when they need to have this time and when they need time by themselves, when they need time to talk things through. Correct, correct. Well, then there's social rest, and that is where we actually just, it's, it's not about socially disconnecting, but it is about spending time with people that support. Um, that is very crucial. And then the last one that Dr. Smith brings out is spiritual rest. And uh, I don't know whether your listeners realize this, but uh, God has created our planet to st- on, on a cycle of seven days. And he has made our bodies and our brains very similar to what the racing car has been made. The race car can operate at top performance on the condition that there's a bend in the track. What's a bend for? It actually protects that motor from burnout. Now, we're talking about burnout this this morning. And God actually put a bend in the road of our lives, of our weekly cycle, where we actually take the foot off the pedal and we actually give our engines, our brain, our body, a respite to connect with a higher power which I recognize as being God. This is a day that doesn't matter what my bank balance is, whether my bank manager has invited me to come in and see him. I don't care about him. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. When it comes to the seventh day of the week, which God has set aside as the day of rest, I just disconnect even from literature, even from my phone, even from technology. I disconnect from all of that because I've got an appointment with a creator God. The thing I love about this rest so much is that it's guilt-free rest. So often, you know, when you take a break during the week, you know, you're taking that break, but in the back of your mind, there's all of these things going around like, oh, I really should be doing this, or oh, I really should be doing that, you know, and, and it stops you from actually having that rest. But when you have that guilt-free break, because God said to, then, you know, that's the best kind of rest that there is, you know, from my perspective. David, um, we're going to have to move on with the show. This was a really important um, subject that you've shared with us today. I want to thank you so much for sharing with it. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.